Hey, welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast, and I want to say a special thank you to those who support Rooted to Live Ministries over the last year, and also this podcast over the last few months. Uh, you're actually making this possible, so so thank you so much. This last week, uh, I've been uh, thinking a little bit about dependence, uh, especially in light of the ministry and people supporting us, and what it is that we depend on most. Air, food, water, shelter. When I think about my day-to-day life, my dependency hits me in the face every morning. When I wake up and turn to shut off the alarm clock, uh, yes, I use an alarm clock and not my phone because I'm civilized. The first thing I reach for is my glasses because I, I can't see nothing. And let me put, this, let me put it this way. Uh, if I lived in Bible times, I would be a beggar. If, if some people are uh, considered legally blind, then I'm definitely bootleg blind, or at least someone stole my vision. I depend on my glasses or contact lenses to see. And, and you might say, well, why don't you just get LASIK vision surgery? Oh, you mean uh, where I pay thousands of dollars I don't have to have someone um, put lasers to, to make a flap on my eyeball, and then wizards use a magic wand so I can see? No. What is it that you depend on most? What are you dependent on? What am I dependent on? Maybe medicine or your job, uh, your phone. Last night, that reminds me, last night I went on a walk and found like this really nice phone on the sidewalk. And I used the phone to call the owner because amazingly enough, this guy still had a home phone. And how did he make it as long as he did without noticing his phone? I don't know, but I'll tell you, people that have home phones are able. They don't let their cell phone tell them what to do. Anyway, what are your social daily dependencies? Acknowledgement, respect, love? Like a phone or glasses, there are lots of things that we've come to depend on. And the truth is that we actually are all in need of daily dependence. And for the follower of Jesus then, what does it look like to, to, uh, to depend on Jesus? Thankfully, Jesus graciously gives us practical answers. In the book of John, chapter 15, starting in verse 5, he's speaking to his disciples and he Give some real practical insight. When he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that says not apart from me, you can uh, do most things pretty well. The text says nothing. So Jesus is talking about accomplishing things that will last for eternity, fruit that will last. So what is it to, um, to abide or remain, as the text said, it's to depend. To, to abide is an agricultural term. To, to sink the roots down into the soil and to provide sustenance for the plant. To abide in Jesus, then, is to, is to um, so attach uh, yourself to him that you become like him in your day-to-day living. And that's God's character then flowing into your life and through you for the good of others around you and, of course, for his glory. Now, we live in a culture, of course, where independence, isolation, and self-help ideals are valued. But Jesus is telling us to uh, depend on him. But how? Well, Jesus gives some practical insight about how to depend on him. And one of the things that I love most about the teachings of Christ is that he wants his people, he wants his disciples to understand what he's calling them to. Let me read that text again. John chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So to to depend on Christ is to trust in his position. Jesus says that he is the vine. The book of John records several other I am statements made by Jesus giving significant insight as to who he is. He says, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. And all of these descriptions by Christ showcase his position as Savior, sustainer, and worthy leader of our life. So this isn't about being more religious or just knowing more about the Bible. There, there actually is practical, tangible outcomes. What is the byproduct of being connected to Jesus? Well, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 tells us about the peace that comes from a dependent life. The scripture reads, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. So I ask, could any one of us use more peace? When, our, when all of our anxieties ask all the what-ifs, the peace of God to us in Christ declares what is. See, when I fail to trust in him, it's, it's usually because I've allowed doubt to cloud my perspective of who Jesus is, his position, and, and I start looking at how big my circumstances seem to be. And so rather than depend on him, who he is, his position, I start trying to control or weather the storm of life myself or just survive without a panic attack while at the same time allow my worry to reside in my heart and mind. And the truth is, I'm not big enough or strong enough to handle the stress and pressures of life. But the deeper my roots are in the security of Christ, His position, trusting Him, the stronger my dependence upon Him, the stronger I am then, of course, in the winds of trouble. And this is why it's not crazy when Jesus commands us then not to worthy. I've always thought that was like a, what do you mean, don't worry? Obviously, I'm going to worry. It sounds like a throwaway command because, of course, we worry. Uh, do not be afraid, the most common command in Scripture. Why is it so common? Because we do it so much, I think. The command is an invitation then to count on Him to look beyond the circumstances but to our Savior. Trusting Him means that deep in our hearts we acknowledge that He is who He says He is and we'll live as if we truly believe it. So let me be candid. When, when we don't depend on Christ in His position, we're actually putting ourselves in His position. We're saying that Jesus isn't enough. and So the wonder is, is, what would have to change for us to live as though we trusted in the position of Christ and then who we are in Him? Jesus continues with more practical insight in the next few verses. John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. He says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be, to be my disciples. So, firstly, uh, to depend on Christ is to trust in his position. But what we see here in these verses is that to depend on Christ is to know his word. We desperately need that enrichment and that spiritual nutrition from God's word. It's, it's life-giving promises, commands, doctrine. So if you've chosen the consequence of being a disciple of Jesus, the action we must take is to sink our roots, the roots of our faith in God's word. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what do you need to be freed from? Sin, self, worry, fear, frustration, anxiety? Me too. So then we are invited to abide in God's word, not just then for salvation or heaven and the kingdom one day, but for the present, for, for the current process by which we're maturing into all that Christ desires for us. Because if it's not his word that we depend on, then it will be someone else's. Either our own deceitful hearts or others around us who may not have the truth of Christ in their life, or maybe even Satan himself. That's why it's often terrible advice when someone says, you know what, just go with your gut. You need to follow your heart. Uh, trust your gut. Oh, you mean like when uh, my gut says go to McDonald's and order one of everything to feel better? See, my gut and my heart continuously give me terrible advice and counsel. 
So what is the plan to better depend on God's word? To, to depend on it, we'd have to know it. What is your plan to know better his word? So we grow in dependency as we trust in Christ's position, but also then grow in understanding God's word and actual the encouragement and nourishment that it gives us. But Jesus continues even with even more practical counsel on dependency. John chapter 15, 7 and 8. And then verse 16. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If you did not choose me, or you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go, might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So really the next insight we get here just in a few verses is that, is that also to depend on Christ is to practice his presence. That's prayer. Jesus prayed often, as did the early church. And you can see this all throughout the book of Acts, of course. In Christ, we see his prayer to talking to his Father. If they prayed, then how much more should we? But it is a common question to ask, and it's a, it's a fair question to ask. Why pray? And at the risk of sounding a little trite, just let me give a few thoughts to that. You could say, well, we need to pray because God commands us to. And, that, and that, I think everyone understands that, but also because the needs are great and eternal things are at stake. That's a second reason I'd say. And another one I've been thinking about is that if it's true that we can't do anything apart from Christ, we might as well talk to him about it. And lastly, what we see in scripture, and a lot of people like to, be, to debate around such things, but I think it might be easier just to trust in it. And that is that God actually does act when we pray. Prayer acknowledges our dependence on the one who can do all things. And when we fail to depend on God and connecting with him, practicing his presence in our life and prayer, individually or collectively with other believers, we are missing out on intimacy with him. And ultimately, then we find ourselves out of tune with him. And as he often guides and directs in those moments of prayer, we just miss out. So we're desperate for his will, direction, and calling. And so the truth is, again, in light of this point, if we're not talking or listening to him, then it's going to be someone else. That's what we're going to do. Jesus continues to actually give encouragement for why it may be the wise thing to do to connect with him, especially to depend on him in, in prayer. In the next verse, verse 9 of chapter 15, Jesus says, As the Father loves me, so I have loved you. See, love is a great motivator. It's a blessing, actually, and it's a love that can actually encourage us then to practice the presence of God more and more. But of course, the more we doubt his love, the more we question his love in light of trying to look at the weight of our circumstances, the less inclined we are to speak to him. And so Jesus loves us, he says. So depend on him and to never doubt it. John Owen, the great theologian of the 1600s, said concerning God's love, the greatest sorrow, burden, unkindness to God is not to believe that he loves you. Verses 9 through 11 in John chapter 15 continues with the instruction, Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, verse 10 says, You will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. A short definition of this kind of joy would be a deep-rooted contentment. So we get the next insight to dependency here is that to depend on Christ is to obey his commands. Obedience is willingly doing what you've been asked to do, not begrudgingly, and not in an appeasing way just to get someone off your back, but willingly. And Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 15, if, if you love me, you a natural outflow of that is that you'll obey. You'll obey what he commands. And so the principle again, of course, is that if we aren't obeying him, then we're obeying someone else every time. People love to tell people what to do, and some of us find our worth in coming through for other people, so we don't mind being told what to do. We want to get their, our approval from them. 
So who's depending on who here? For the ones rooted in God's love, dependent on Him, then we're desperate for His instruction and His commands. Those become our purpose. So what is His command? If we could put it succinctly, all of His commands, He actually tells us in the next verse, verse 12 of chapter 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That's it. To yield to another's best interest daily, asking the question, what does she need? What does he need from me today? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business and said, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command then, love each other. The last insight really we get in this small section about dependency is to to depend on Christ is to love. How? Well, Jesus actually tells us and shows us. This kind of love is sacrificial. Jesus says in the text that we are to love lays down their lives for their friends. That's true love. Next, that love is obedient to the commands of God. Third, that love always communicates truth. Jesus said it in this context by saying the phrase, I have told you everything. And fourthly, love takes the initiative. Jesus says in the text, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So here's the measuring rod if you'd like to evaluate how you love other people. Is it sacrificial? Is it obedient to the commands of God? Is it communicating truth? And is it a pursuer? Is it taking initiative? As we abide in Christ or remain in Christ or to, or to um, depend on Christ, we, be, we come to understand what it means to love other believers the way Christ loves us. And as we love others, we, we become a witness to the watching world around us. Others are desperate to experience and know this kind of love from us. And they need to see that what we're giving actually is what we've received from Christ already. So the message is simple, but these simple practical ideas are based off an enormous truth. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We are need to be and functioning in total dependence upon him. Interdependence with one another but dependence on him. If we don't believe that, then Bible study, prayer, obedience become a religion or a pathway to legalism, if you will, because our motivation is not one of dependence, but on the consistency of our own acts. And we are powerless to carry out our commission for the world. So I just want to encourage you today. It sounds like a discouragement to say, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But actually, it's a huge invitation to depend on him in so many ways, as I've shared before. We daily desperately need to depend on Jesus Christ. And you and I are both invited.